0: to live as lights in this world. We're going to begin reading in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Because in the previous verses, we read how Jesus had died on the cross, how He came as a servant. We read how because of Jesus and His faithfulness in following God's plan, God exalted Him and gave Him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God, the Father. But the next word that we read in verse 12, the first word is wherefore. In other words, based on all these things that we just read about what Jesus has done and who Jesus is and how he came as the perfect servant to serve you and to serve me. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but Now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. The word pleasure there, you could easily replace that with purpose. That we are to do God's purpose, His pleasure. That's doing what He wants us to do, right? And so he says, it's God that works in us to do His good will and to do His good pleasure. Verse 14, to do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in in vain. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize it was all vanity. It was all a waste. It was just emptiness. It was nothingness. We'll talk about that a little bit more in here in just a few minutes. Verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with with me Here in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18, we see what our response is to be to the example of Jesus Christ. The proper response as a believer is to live as a light in this world. Now, I have a fun picture for you to look at here next. This is a fun picture, right? Little baby wearing his daddy's cowboy boots. This is not me, but there is a picture of me that looks somewhat like this i'm not standing in front of hay bales i'm in my living room i think at my house but little boys love to put on their daddy's shoes and walk around in them don't they at least most little boys that i know we had a little boy at my house wearing some big daddy shoes last night walking around we had a little girl at my house last night wearing big mommy shoes as well and walking around the house and Little ones love to put on their parents' shoes. It makes them feel big, and they clomp around in them, and they think, how could they ever walk with these giant things on their feet? (laughs) And it's funny because those shoes are way too big, and they trip and they fall. But why do they do that? Because they want to be like Mommy or be like Daddy. Children follow the example of their parents. That's the way it's always been and the way it will be. In fact, that's one of the reasons God gave parents to children, to be a good example to them. Now, of course, not all parents are a good example, unfortunately. But children follow the example of their parents. Children often turn out to be very much like their parents. Why? Because they live with them. They watch them. They they hear them talk. They take on their mannerisms, their faces, their expressions. They use the same phrases and same ways of saying things because children want to be like their parents jesus was our example and sometimes following christ maybe feels a little bit like this boy in his daddy's boots might feel good but it's challenging at the same time we have some pretty big shoes right that we're trying to fill we're supposed to Follow the example of Jesus Christ. And yet that's a big challenge for us. And yet it's also very rewarding at the same time. And I love this picture of this little guy there. He's in his little diaper there, you know, which doesn't look like daddy at all. But he's got daddy's shoes on. And maybe that's how we look like to God sometimes. I don't know when we're trying to be like Christ and live how we should be. We don't have it all together really, but we're trying to do the best that we can. But this morning, I want to challenge our hearts as we think about this following of Christ's example and what that looks like and how we're going to do that as believers. The first thing he tells us in verse 12, the first command, I guess, that he gives us is this. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So if we're going to live as lights in the world, If we're going to follow the example of Jesus Christ and live as God wants us to live, the first thing that we must do is work out our salvation. Now, there's a very important word there, out, not for. He doesn't say work for your salvation. You can't earn salvation by good works, right? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy... He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. In the book of Ephesians 4.32, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, all of mankind has a problem. The Bible says that problem is sin. It's just a simple three-letter word, and yet it's a horrible thing that corrupts every single one of us because we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Who was that man? That was Adam, right? And death by sin, right? Death came because of sin. And so death passed upon all men. Why? Because we're all descendants of Adam for that all have sinned. We've all sinned. We all have a problem. And because of sin, there's a horrible consequence that we all face. Romans 6.23 tells us it's death. That the wages of our sin is death. And yet, Jesus Christ came and died in our place. He took the punishment of death upon Him. As the book of Isaiah tells us that Through His stripes, we are healed. That is, through the death of Jesus Christ and taking the punishment of our sin upon Him, that we can have eternal life. And Romans 10.13 says it very simply, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is not based on working for something. It's not because you went to church, or because you had good parents, or because you are faithful in your attendance or you're a member of a church somewhere. It's not because you give to a charity. Even all those things are wonderful things, are they not? None of those things earn us extra favor with God that can wipe away our sin. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And it is only by putting our faith and trust in Him and confessing our sins that we can be saved that we can have eternal life. He tells us to work out our salvation. This is not working for it, but working out it. In other words, demonstrate through your actions and the way that you live your life that you're a believer in Christ who has had their sins forgiven. So this is not earning something. This is demonstrating something that's already happened in your life. If I'm doing something or I'm a part of something... I don't have to, my children don't have to work to be part of my family. They are part of my family. They were born into my family. And yet, because they're my children, I expect them to live like they're my children, right? To obey me, to help in our family, to pick up after themselves and to learn to do things and be a help, right? To be part of our family. You can't earn your way into my family. You had to be born into it, right? Or sometimes parents will adopt children into their family. But that's a parent choosing to adopt a child into their family, right? There's nobody that can say, well, I'm going to work hard and pay you a bunch of money and then I'll get to be part of your family. That doesn't normally happen. And that doesn't happen with God. We must be born into the family of God. As Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to him and Jesus said to him, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can I be born again? He said, can I go back into my mother's womb? And he said, I, I'm grown. I can't do that. And Jesus said, yes, you were born of the flesh, right? You were born of your mother. But he said, you must be born also of the spirit. That we need God to work in our heart. We must trust him for salvation and allow God to have us born again into His family and become His child. You see, salvation is not something you can work for, but it is something that you need to work out and demonstrate and live out in your life to others. That's part of following the work of Jesus Christ and being the light in the world that He has called us to be. He tells us here in the beginning of verse 12, He says, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, Remember the Philippians from chapter 1, the first few verses? Paul had a lot of wonderful things that he remembered about them. He remembered their faithfulness. He remembered their love. He remembered them with thankfulness because of how they had served him and helped him. Paul says, you've always obeyed. He says, not as in my presence only. You didn't just obey when I was there with you. But he said, now much more in my absence. He's encouraging them to continue to be faithful, to work out their salvation, to continue to do what they're supposed to do, to continue to live lives that demonstrate to others that God is real and that God has worked in their life and changed them. You see, as a Christian, my life isn't just on display when I'm at church that I dress nice, or that I talk nice, or that I live right on Sunday. It's something that I'm to do all week long. It's something whether I'm with other believers in church, or whether I'm by myself in my home, or I'm out in the community among other people, whether they be saved or unsaved, my life should be a demonstration of God's working in me and my salvation if I truly am saved. You see, we are to work out our salvation. Paul says, whether I'm with you or whether I'm not with you, obey. Notice, though, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. That's not something where you feel like someone has a whole lot of confidence or they're doing really, they're afraid. <laughs> they're they're trembling. In other words, this task of demonstrating Christ's work in your life of living like you're supposed to live this is a big challenge and it's difficult to do just like the little boy walking around in his daddy's boots right that's a big challenge for him or her it might be exciting but it's challenging he says as you work out your own salvation as you demonstrate God's work in your life this is a this is a fearful thing to do it's a big challenge it's Maybe even an impossible task. And that's why it gives us the encouragement in the next verse. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. If you're going to live a life that's faithful to God and demonstrating God's working in your life and the change that has come about because of salvation, you need God's help. You can't do it on your own and do it faithfully. And do it in a way that's pleasing to God. That's why he says, for it is God which worketh in you. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit that indwells us as believers? The Bible tells us that once we receive Jesus Christ, that we are given the Holy Spirit. Of course, earlier on in the Bible, it wasn't that way. And in fact, the Holy Spirit, we know, was given on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2 right when the believers were sitting there in the upper room and they were praying and bible says all of a sudden they received the holy spirit you see that was an answer to a promise that jesus had made back when he was still on this earth jesus had said i'm going to go away but i'm going to leave you with a comforter one who's going to help you who's going to lead you into truth who's going to convict you of sin and righteousness that the holy spirit is as believers, lives inside each one of us. And it was given to the believers there on the day of Pentecost. And then since then, at the time of salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. It is God which worketh in you. The Holy Spirit is working in me as a believer, both to will, to give me the desire to do right, and to do, right? Not just giving me the desire to do right, but giving me the ability to do right, Giving me the power to do what God wants me to do. Isn't it wonderful that we've been given salvation, forgiveness for our sins? That's a wonderful fact. And it's offered to everybody. And it's available for anybody that will accept it and believe it. But Jesus didn't just save us. God didn't just give us salvation. Now He's also given us the Holy Spirit. He's given God in us. To give us the right desires and to give us the ability to do what He asks us to do. You think about it. Living faithfully for God, that's an impossible task if you do it in your own strength. Because I don't know about you, but there are days I don't feel like doing the things maybe that I should be doing. There are days that I feel down or discouraged. There are days where I don't have the strength to do what I need to do. And yet, God says that He gives us the strength, that His strength is made perfect or complete in our weakness, that we can do all things through Christ. Paul's saying that in the book of Philippians when he's talking about being put in prison and living a life of freedom. He said, Paul said, I've learned how to be content. Everywhere I'm at. He said, I can abound when I'm, uh, whether I'm abased or I'm abounding, whether things are good or whether things are bad. I've learned to be content. He said, I can do all things through Christ. That doesn't mean I can fly. That's not what the verse is saying. He said, I can be content even in difficult circumstances. I can live for Christ. I can demonstrate God's work in me through the power of God working in my life. And I can stay faithful to God. And follow the example of Christ. I can be a light in the world as I work out my salvation, but I don't have to do it in my own strength. Yeah, it isn't a wonderful thing that God says, you work, and then He says, I'm going to do. Right? It's, It's both together. God hasn't saved us and then abandoned us. He didn't love us and leave us. Right? He saved us and now He's giving us the strength and the ability and the correct desires and the correct direction to do what we have to do but there's a responsibility there for each of us do you see that there because he's telling us to work out our salvation and then he's saying as you work it out i'm going to be there to help you when you feel discouraged and you feel like it's a struggle to do what god wants you to do you're normal But remember, God is with you, and He will help you. But He wants you to take those steps of faith in trusting Him. You see, God can't carry those who don't rest in Him. People say, well, God helps those who help themselves. Well, that's not in the Bible. It might sound good, but it's not truly in the Scripture. God helps those who trust in Him. God helps those who rely on His strength and who walk in Him. But He helps those who are willing to take a step of faith and trust Him to obey Him. The song says, trust and obey. That's not a Bible verse, but it's very true because that idea is found all throughout Scripture. This is trusting and obeying. It's obeying God. Okay, God, I'm going to demonstrate my life. I'm going to do my best to live for You. But God, I need Your help. I need Your strength. I need you to help me. I don't have the strength to do what you've asked me to do. You said live as a light in this world, but Lord, this world is a dark place. There's a lot of bad people out there. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. To accomplish the purpose that He's given you, He now gives you the ability to fulfill that purpose and to live it out in your life. So the first command, if we're going to live as lights in the world, is to, number one, work out your salvation. Demonstrate the salvation that God has given you in your heart, the forgiveness of your sin. Demonstrate it in the way that you live. Number two. The next command he says for us is in verse 14. Do some things. No, that's not what it says. Do all things without murmurings or disputings. Murmurings and disputings. Do all things. This is one where we'd like to maybe remove that word all. You mean I can't complain about anything? Philippians 4 says, Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here he says, Do all things without murmurings and and disputings that that word do it's in the present tense right it's an active verb and the way that word would mean in the original language is this is something that's a continual thing that you continue to do continue to do all things it's in a positive sense right but do them without murmurings and disputings so what's he saying? Well, he's told us to work out our salvation, right? That's something we're doing. That's something we're living. That's a way we're demonstrating Christ's work in our heart. So I'm, I'm supposed to do that, and I can do that in the strength that God provides, because it's God who works in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So as I'm working out my salvation with the strength of God, sustaining me and giving me the ability to do it, and as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, he says, oh, by the way, no murmurings and disputings do those things without complaining and without disputings without fighting back in the beginning of philippians chapter 2 he tells us that we're not supposed to have strife right don't be at strife don't strive with your brothers in christ murmurings this is complaining this is reminiscent of the children of israel as they wandered through the wilderness in the old testament and as god would provide whether it was manna, whether it was water from the rock, whether it was the quail, whether it was freedom from Egypt itself and the bondage and slavery that were, they were in there, it didn't matter what God provided. After a while, they started complaining and murmuring again. I mean, God had split the Red Sea in two and they had walked through on dry ground. He'd protected them from Pharaoh. He'd freed them from slavery in Egypt. And they get out in the wilderness and it's not, wilderness and it's not long and they're complaining about it. How quickly they forgot what God had done. It was God who was working in them both to will and to do of his good pleasure, right? And then very soon, even though God was doing it, they were over there complaining. Then they get out in the wilderness. God, we're hungry. We don't have anything to eat. God, we're thirsty. We don't have anything to drink. There was always murmuring and complaining going along, even though it was God providing everything they ate. The Bible says God made their shoes not wear out. He made their clothes to last. He provided water for them to drink. He he was giving them everything. He was doing everything to give them the ability to accomplish his good pleasure, right? His purpose for their life. And yet they murmur to complain. And how quickly we can do the same thing. Don't you realize that everything that you have, God gave it to you? He gives you breath. He gives you strength to get out of bed in the morning. He gives you your health. He's provided you the ability to work and to earn money, to take care of your family and your own needs. He's given it all to us. We sang the song this morning, I sing the mighty power of God who made the mountains rise, right? He created this whole world. And yet how soon we can get focused on ourselves and try to be... Working out our salvation in our own strength, and how quickly we can fall into complaining. Oh, but God, why did you allow this? Why is this happening? This is hard. I wish this would change. God, this is difficult. How quickly we complain. Why do we complain? It's because we're not living in the power of God, we're not trusting Him. We look at our situation, our circumstances, and the difficulties that we're facing. We say, but this is hard. Wait a minute. If it's God who's working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure, then God has you in that situation for a reason. And He's going to help you through that situation. Or if He doesn't help you through the situation, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee concerning this matter. He said, our God, which we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. But he says, even if he doesn't choose to deliver us, we will not bow to the golden idol. They knew, they said, God's able. But maybe that's not God's will. Maybe God wants us to die in the furnace as an example to others or as a testimony to standing true and faithful to God. They didn't know, but they knew that God was good. And they knew that God was going to help them no matter what. And so they stood faithful for God. And you know what? God carried them right through that furnace. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ himself was in the burning fiery furnace with those men. What a wonderful thing. You see, God gives us the strength to continue on. And yet, when we begin to trust in our own understanding and in our own ability we can quickly fall into complaining. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it very clearly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you think you can figure it all out, you're in a bad place because you're trusting in in yourself, not in God. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. If we're going to live as lights in the world, we have to do all things without murmurings and then the second thing he says without disputings this is arguing fighting with the desire to always be right this word disputings is the same word they would use for two lawyers arguing in a court of law where their goal and 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 even specifically they use this word to talk about the followers of aristotle Back in the Grecian days, right? Aristotle, the philosopher and the scientist who had discovered all these things, there were a lot of his followers that loved to sit around and argue the finer points of what Aristotle believed or didn't believe. And so they would argue this, and it was to prove how smart they were and how much better they were than everybody else because they could argue a point better than someone else could. And it was like a sport, you know, sort of like debate. Debate isn't all bad in a a sense of learning how to present ideas and facts and learning how to speak convincingly about a topic. And yet, sometimes among ourselves, we can just get caught up in debating and fighting and bickering about things that really don't matter and really don't have a purpose because we're trying to prove how much we know or how smart we are or how good of a person we are. And God says, do all things without that, without disputing. Why? Because it's not you that's doing the work in your own strength. It's God who's working in you and through you to accomplish his good pleasure. You see, if we're following the example of Jesus Christ, we have to be honest and say, I can't do this on my own. I need God. And so I don't have any room for complaining because it's God who's working in me and through me. I don't have any room in my life to be disputing and arguing and fighting about things because God is the one who gives me purpose and strength. It's not me. It's not my own strength. It's not what I can do. So if we're going to live as lights in the world, we need to work out our salvation. Demonstrate God's working in us. We need to do everything without complaining or arguing. And he says here in verse 15 that you may be blameless and harmless why do we do these things that we why do we demonstrate our salvation why do we live in the power of god and his working in us why do we live without murmuring complaining and fighting why that ye may be blameless and harmless the sons of god without rebuke notice where he says in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation you just leave that alone, buddy. You see, we live in a wicked world, don't we? You turn on the news all the time, you see horrible things. I saw this week about some crazy person driving a car in New York City and hitting people. That was a horrible thing. You read about our soldiers fighting around the world and, and losing their life. You read about all kinds of trouble, here in our own city, and all across the world. We live in a crooked and perverse world. And as believers, He wants us to shine as lights. We live in a dark place. When you put a light, a candle in a dark room, it shines light around so that you can see. Like the card that we got in the mail this week with the lighthouse on it. Aren't those beautiful if you've ever seen those lighthouses along the shoreline? I, I love to look at them. In fact, I've climbed up in one before. Went up in the stairs to the top and looked out. And it was beautiful to see. And yet, how much more wonderful would that lighthouse be to me if I was the one out in the ship in the storm and I looked out and I saw that light and it gave me guidance so that I didn't run into the rocks. You see, God has called us to be lights, lighthouses in this world. Jesus is the light, and we're to point others to him, but it's as followers of Christ, we're like those little lights that continue to show out to this world that there's danger, that there's punishment, that there's destruction coming. And if we live lives that are full of complaining, full of arguing, if we live lives in our own strength, focused on ourselves, we will not be lights in this world. No, instead, we'll look very much like every other crooked and perverse person around us. You say, but that's hard. (laughs) That's hard to live like that. That's why you have to live in the strength of God. Every day, going to the Lord and saying, God, I need your strength today to live. It's not just the words then. as difficulties come along, stopping what you're doing, saying, God, I need your help right now. Lord, forgive me for not trusting you. God, help me to continue to obey and live the life that you want me to live. You see, when we live our lives according to our own plan, according to our own way, we are not the example that God wants us to be. The famous leader of the independence movement in India, Gandhi, said this, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. He says, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. How sad that he would say that. I don't know who he knew that claimed to be a Christian. And yet that was his view of Christianity. While he may have done some good things in this world, there's no evidence that we can read of in the history books that Gandhi really knew Jesus Christ as his Savior. So even all the wonderful things that He did, there's no evidence for us to know that He's not spending eternity in hell right now. How sad. And yet we have the opportunity to live as lights in this dark world so that others could be pointed to Jesus Christ. Not that we would point others away from Christ because of our sin, because of our struggle, because we are not trusting in the Lord. Paul said about this church in these next in the last few verses, verses 16 through 18, he was saying that if they were not going to live for Christ, then Paul says, my life feels like it's vanity, feels like it's a waste. Notice, he says, for holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He tells them to shine his lights, holding forth the word of light. Reminds me of the Statue of Liberty, right? That stands in New York Harbor there with its light outstretched to the world and and representative of the many immigrants who would come there to Ellis Island and they would see the Statue of Liberty standing there with her light held forth as a shining beacon offering hope to those who were coming to this new land for a land of opportunity, a land of hope, a land of place where they could have jobs and food and take care of their families. Wonderful hope. Right, And yet Jesus Christ has given us a hope that's even better than America. And I love America. He's given us the hope of eternal life. And that's the light that we're to shine forth, to hold forth the word of life, so that as others around us in this wicked world would see that Jesus Christ is the answer, that He truly can change lives and make a difference. Not to live life I've always lived it, focused on myself and arguing in my own strength. No, to live in the strength of God so that I can hold forth the word of life. Paul says, if we're living that way, Paul says, if you Philippian church are living that way in this world and holding forth the word of life, he says, I have not labored in vain. My life has meant something. It has mattered. It's not vanity. It's not just a breath that passes away. No, it's carried on. Why? Because the light of Christ continues to shine forth. How sad would it be to finish our life and feel like it had not mattered, had not made a difference. And yet, if we live for Christ, we can live full of joy. We can live in the knowledge and the confidence that our life matters and makes a difference because it's lived for Christ. Only what's done for Christ Will last. As the, as the as the saying goes. Only one life. Will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ. Will last. Is your life. Lived. For Christ. That's your purpose. That's your point. You were created. In the image of God. You and I. Sinned. We've all sinned. And so we've marred that image. We've damaged that and yet Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty for your sin and my sin the sins of the world so that through Christ we could have our sins forgiven the image of God restored and now as we hold forth that light and shine it in this dark world that we live that others could be brought to Christ as well and that others could then live out the purpose that they would have to live out what a wonderful thing God has called us to do to live our life on purpose. Jesus Christ is the example. And if you and I are going to follow that example, the proper response to that is to then live as lights in this dark world. Are you living as a light in the dark world? Number one, are you a light? You can't be a light if you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then you're still in darkness. But if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, how can you better live as a light today, this week? Who can you tell about Jesus? Whose life can you make a difference in this week because of your faithfulness to Him? Listen, if you're full of complaining and arguing and selfishness, you're not making a difference in anybody's life for good. No, you're pointing them away from God. But if you're living in the strength of God, and trusting in Him to help you and carry you through. You can live a life that matters, that is full of the purpose that God has for you and makes a difference. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.